take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and this is Season 4, Chapter 7, and this is actually the 50th chapter that I'm producing. So there are 50 shows, 50 episodes to this show, and I am stoked. So stoked that I'm going to announce something special at the end of the interview. But before that, this show is sponsored by Brody's Balloons. Hey, do you want a new Legenda Borosino um, B321, the baby Legenda? Do you want 50 bucks off of your Legenda? If so, there is a deal in Brody's Balloons. You buy balloons and the Legenda for 450 bucks and you get 50 bucks off of your agenda so you can buy the agenda for 189 bucks at Brody's Balloons check it out at Brody's Balloons webpage and on their Facebook I'll put a link on that also on the Balloon Artist Facebook group so it will be super easy for you to get a new agenda Borosino the baby agenda that everyone so love and uh, me personally I use it all the time so thank you Brody's for sponsoring the show and for arranging such a great deal on the Legenda Baby. With that said, today's interview is with Mark Verge. The one and only Mark Verge is the, the, the make it bigger guy and bigger it is. Without further ado, let's go right into the interview. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi coming to you from Float 17. And today I'm interviewing Mark Verge from Toronto, Canada. Mark Verge is one of uh, the thinkers in the balloon art that has the saying of bigger is better. Uh, we've heard about him also in the interview with Tony Twist in season three. And I am very excited to meet with you, Mark, here in Float and to have the opportunity of uh, uh, interviewing you for the show. How are you, Mark? I'm very good. I'm glad to be here, too. Thank you. Um, so before we start and talk about what you are about to teach in Float and a little bit about um, your uh, aesthetics, I want you to share with us how do you make a living as a balloon artist? I entertain doing birthday parties in the off season and during the more busy time of season like the summer, spring and fall, I entertain and sometimes sculpt. And so um, you're not uh, the, the classic decorator that uses uh, round balloons and creates uh, a garlands and, uh, and, uh, and arches and so you make a living from people that smile from the interaction with you from the balloons that you make for them. Yeah, definitely. The balloon creations is the bulk of what I do, but I do make columns every now and then, and actually that is quite fun to do. So tell us a little bit about how you came up with the concept of bigger is better and how you incorporated that aspect into your art. Um, it started when I wanted to make a, like a geometric sculpture that was uh, with 350s, and every time I tried to make it, it would just kind of collapse on me. And so I was thinking, what can I do? So I went looking and eventually the 646s came out and that was like a godsend because with those you can make pretty much anything you wish. It's larger, 
but it will actually hold its weight as well as the weight of other balloons. So you can actually hold the shape and it would just stay up, I guess. What do you collect to the 646s in order for them to connect to the next piece of the geometric huge sculptures that you make? Um, what I do basically is I leave a bit of a tail on the end of a 646 and then I squeeze the air out of it and then I tie it to another 646. So it's much like a quick link. Do you have any connectors, like duplets or something like that, that you, that you add? Um, you can. Like, if I make, say, a triangle, and then you make another triangle, then I'll take two uh, five-inch rounds, and I'll wrap them together and connect them that way. Cool. And you've created uh, some some sculptures like that. I've seen some of the pictures, and they're really good. Uh, is that something that you also sell, or was that more for the experiment and uh, the art of it? There's really for, in the beginning, it was really for the art of it and to see if I could make it really. Um, but I do think it has a lot of potential to sell. I haven't sold one yet. I've been trying to sell two in my museum. Um, but they're just a little hesitant right now. But I can see it being in like museums, uh, shopping centers and science, you know, places. And I think that would actually be something that would fit in there because it's pretty big and it's, it's more like abstract art. That's how the concept of Bigger is Better came out. But you actually had, have a DVD about it and you are, um, uh, you, you're teaching in, you, you've been teaching in uh, multiple conventions, in Twist and Shout, in, in the previous float, uh, and so on. So tell us, uh, a little bit about how Bigger is Better can be, uh, noticed when people uh, watch your classes or when they watch your day to day work. Fine when you make uh, larger sculptures, people never seen stuff that large. So that adds a, a whole game in itself. So anything you make with, uh, say, 260s can be made into 350s. Anything from 350s can be made into 646s. So it's just the conversion going up. And when you have something so big, it just, when people see it, they're just kind of blown away on how big it is because that's not something that they would normally see at any events. Would you be interesting to see the 16 inches quick links? Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, yeah. I don't have them, though. <laughs> I, I wish I had. Some of us maybe saw your dinosaur. Uh, how long did it take to create that? Well, there's not an exact figure on how long it took. Are you talking about the Geico commercial one? Yeah. The Geico one. Um, that was between 60 and 70 hours worth of labor time. Um I didn't figure it all out exactly, but it just took so long. And that was my first fleshed out dinosaur. So it was uh, a little scary at first, but it seemed like it was a, a possible thing to make. How many dinosaurs like that have you made? I did the Geico one is the first one of the fleshed out. But then for skeletons, I did uh, a Spinosaurus, I think in Chicago. And I did a T-Rex. At the first convention, which was the best one, I, that was my best dinosaur. It took me 55 hours to make that one. And then I did another one for um, Larry Moss. We did uh, for his Blue Manor thing. And I did uh, one for the museum. And then I did Triceratops for a museum. And then I did a Spinosaurus for the museum as well. But it was more of an aquatic one because Spinosaurus didn't really walk around so gracefully on two legs it was more or less more of an aquatic dinosaur uh, and if people want to see those pictures of of those sculptures where sh where can they go and see them uh, junglejack.ca so it's jungle 
jack.ca and we'll put a link for that on the balloon artist podcast.com website so that you can see uh is that also the website where uh junglejack.ca is that where you also promote your your uh, day-to-day business and your entertainment services yeah definitely i that's where you go if you want like birthday parties corporate events sculptures Um, or just to get ideas on how to make different things because I have a photo page there and I'm sure that people go there to get ideas on what they can make as well. How often does it happen to you that a customer books you to, let's say, a birthday or, or, or an event uh, and that the fact that you've created those big sculptures have been instrumental in helping you secure the gig? Um, it definitely helped a lot, especially when the Geico commercial, because they were fairly secure that I could actually make something like that. Um, and the fairly, I have a pretty good knowledge on dinosaurs. Um, so I don't actually have to look at a picture. I have a, a good understanding on where things go and how it should work. But by having all the different sculptures, a lot of people feel very comfortable in hiring me for stuff because they, they're pretty reassured that I can make whatever they're thinking. What type of uh, interesting uh, projects you, were you involved in uh, lately that uh, required uh, your, your expertise of building things big? Um, well, I do some dinosaurs at the museum, the Royal Ontario Museum in Toronto. Um, I also make um, Chihuly sculptures as well. That's the glassblown guy. Um, he does great sculptures as well out of glass. And then I try to reproduce that uh, with the balloons. Um, with 646s? Uh, some with 646s, some with 350s generally, um, some with round balloons. Uh, depends on what sculpture I'm trying to make. And then you will create pretty much like what, a balloon dog, which is very big. Is that it? Uh, for Chihuly? What, what, what? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know Chihuly, so... Okay. So Chihuly... Uh, <laughs> sorry. Chihuly is a guy that blows glass, and he's actually pretty much famous for that skill. And he does pretty much the same thing as me. He makes really big glass sculptures, and then he has them down in Vegas, and he has them different uh, gardens and things like that. So he... Um, I think the one I like the most is he has a... A rowboat that he does not make is just a, a rowboat and then he puts glass sculptures inside of it and that was my favorite sculpture that I made of his um, you also uh, won a few competitions in uh, twist and shout can you tell us a little bit about what did you make and uh, what were the places that you won oh my gosh it's too many <laughs> so, uh, so just a few of them <laughs> um, okay so Spinosaurus got first place and that's for the large I did a T-Rex and that got first place for a large I did um, Tom and Jerry that got first place for large I got second place for a Triceratops I did not place for uh, my Baymax but it was actually one of my favorite sculptures still one of my favorites though And then uh, Bumblebee, which was a big favorite of mine and a few others. And that only got second place, but it was fun to make that one. That was the most fun, actually. Would you recommend someone that is trying to improve his business and his abilities to, to compete in, in competitions, and why? Um, definitely. When I compete, I mainly try to make something that I think I can possibly sell later on. Uh, example would be the dinosaurs. I thought, well, I can make the big dinosaurs. 
And then that would give me uh, a photograph that I could show the museum, and then they would let me uh, build it for them. So that definitely helped. If I didn't have do the competitions, I wouldn't be able to have the photos, and therefore I would have not been able to show them, and I wouldn't have been hired. So definitely the competitions do help in the, in getting you hired for jobs. And um, when you have the dinosaurs in the museum for the customer, for a paying customer, how long will the sculpture... Um, Uh, will be available out there and will look good well I usually try to get them to take it down after a week but sometimes they leave it up longer but uh, when I put the dinosaur up before I found that it shrunk about a half a foot each day in length so it, it looks still good after five or even six days you could probably even leave it up for seven or eight but uh, five days would be more ideal in my opinion do you use any uh, glue or high float inside your balloons No, I don't use high float. That's a lot of work to do that. But um, I do use glue to attach some parts, but not usually. Just some things to help hold things a little more uh, in one direction or another. Cool. Uh, tell us a little bit about what are your classes that you are giving in uh, Float 17. One class that I think is a lot of fun to take is uh, geometric sculptures. And it's just a matter of triangles and hexagons. And you kind of put them all together and you end up with uh, spirals or round things or almost like Ferris wheel looking things. Kind of hard to describe them. I think that's kind of a fun class to take. Then the other one is uh, just smaller sculptures that you can sell, such as penguins, seahorse, uh, large standing lobster, um, killer whale, things like that that you can sell. to different clients at, you know, uh, corporate events. You seem to give more attention lately to also to decorating customers. Is that something that you intend to increase in your business uh, and that is more interesting uh, for you? Or is your passion mostly on the entertainment? Well, what is your take on that? I think in this business, you have to be a little more diverse by doing uh, columns, say, or even arches. Um, and then sometimes we add our sculptures to the arch. That makes you a little bit different from most people that can create arches. But I think by having um, a mix of arches and sculptures and entertaining, uh, you can create better employment throughout the year and, you know, make it through the year. Yeah. Uh, how, how seasonal is your business? And how affected are you by the cold winter in Canada or so? Well, I don't do too many uh, outdoor festivals in the winter, that's for sure. January and February is generally all birthday parties, really. In March, you do a little bit for March break. You do corporate events. And then April, May is not too bad again. Once again, you're doing birthday parties. But when it's June, July, August, September, you're doing many more festivals and fairs and things like that with a mix of birthday parties every now and then. And then uh, when it's middle November to the end of December, you're doing more corporate again. And uh, what would be your way of marketing yourself? I don't really market myself. <laughs> People just call me. <laughs> okay. So uh, <laughs> you, you don't need to market yourself, which is a good place to be in, in life. You've been around in all kinds of conventions. Uh, do you have a favorite one? Twist and Shout is definitely one of my favorites. I've been to every single one and don't ever plan to stop, really. That's, that's uh, quite amazing. Why do you feel Twist and Shout is uh, so important for you? Or why would you recommend people check it out? It's well-rounded. It does a lot of different things. They have great teachers there. I do like to compete. And it feels like that competition has the most people that go to it. 
And even when I compete, if I don't win, I get to see everyone else's stuff. And that's what I actually really love because seeing it there in uh, on the computer is not the, quite the same as seeing it in real life and walking around and taking your own photos of it and, and stealing the ideas of it. Did you see the large competitions in Float yet? Yes, I did. And they're pretty impressive, actually. Um, I like the fact that they were the same size as Twist and Show, 10 feet by 10 feet by 10 feet. They were really impressive. I, I would not want to go up against them. What, what did you like about them? Um, the space one I thought was very, uh, when you looked at that one, there's lots to look at. There's look at this, look at that, look at this, look, they did this and they did that. They had flashing lights. Um, that was really good. I like the background in it. Um, the only thing that was negative about having a background is it takes about like 18 inches away from your sculpture. And then the other one with the car or the Jeep, I should say, it was just really animated. Like you can almost picture that thing driving around. It was really good, actually. It was very fun to look at. So you will not uh, guess which one will win. Jeepers. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get you uh, into <laughs> fights with your friends. Uh, we had the Canadian dudes there. I can't, I can't go against my Canadian friends. Cool. <laughs> or go with them. I, I got to be fair. Like They were both good. That's going to be a hard call. Uh, I totally agree. Uh, both of them were amazing. What do you recommend uh, a balloon artist in the beginning of its way should do in order to improve his skills and make a living uh, as a full-timer, uh, as a balloon artist? Um, by attending conventions, that's probably helped me out the most. When I first started, we only had like books and I had to like drive around trying to find books and there wasn't very many. But right now, going on YouTube and Facebook and going to conventions, people learn so much faster than when I started. So it's already there. You just have to look it up. Do you practice? No. No, I don't. No. <laughs> I practice. In fact, I find this kind of funny. When I usually make my first sculpture, it's usually my favorite sculpture of whatever I'm making. Like my first T-Rex is still my favorite T-Rex ever. How long does it take to, to plan one of your bigger sculptures like for competition or for your uh, customers oh gee um paper wise i sometimes will draw it out and the layout of it sometimes it'll be a matter of hours and like in total of days really uh when i'm doing it sometimes i just think and change this change that um some things were more complicated than others like the dinosaurs but one of the Things that I did do that made my life a little bit easier, I would buy a model of a dinosaur and then have a model of a person and then try to have the same scale. So if it's one to 40, one to 40, then I would hold the little action figure, say, up against the leg of the dinosaur. And that would give me an idea of um, how big to make it to myself. So if, say, the, the knee was at my shoulders, I mean, the knee was at the shoulders of the action figure then I would make the knee of the shoulder of the dinosaur to my shoulder, and that way it would stay very much into uh, scale. That's a very clever idea of how to maintain the proportions uh, or the scale between the human being and uh, the piece that you're making. Thank you for sharing that. So, uh, Mark Verge, I want to thank you for joining us on the Balloon Artist Podcast uh, family. We definitely appreciate your big sculptures and your happy attitude and uh, your contribution to motivate people. And I think that uh, you're really, really nice guy and very approachable. So I'm really happy to also meet with you again in uh, Twist and Shout and uh, just uh, take off my head for you for inspiring people. Oh, thank you very much. It was a pleasure meeting you. Wow. Mark Virch is such a nice guy and generous with his ideas. 
uh, this is pretty much the end of chapter 7, which is the 50th chapter on this show. So there were like four seasons, but all together, if you count them, 50, 50 chapters, 50 episodes. Wow, that, that's a lot. I mean, I started about a year ago in February. We're in the beginning of May now, and uh, it's been quite a ride. I learned a lot in this year from interviewing all of those balloon artists, and I want to share with you guys all kinds of things that I'm going through right now in my business and all kinds of things that I've learned in the last year or so, and I'm going to do that in a free online webinar-based course. I call it a mini course because I want to set the expectations. Uh, it's not uh, that I'm giving away all of my knowledge like I do in uh, MAPC, the Modern Automated Balloon Business Course. This is more like a mini course with what's hot right now, what's trendy right now, what do I care about and am passionate about. And I'm going through like a kind of rebranding of my entertainment business and my balloon business at the moment, spending about 5000 dollars us dollars on improving so many so many things in my business and upping my game in a way and i'm learning so much i i figured out hey if i'm going to spend so much time and energy on all of those things to improve my business and all of the money as well i might as well also share with you guys the process and what i'm learning from it i'm not going to suggest that my solution is like the best it's just my taste but i will share with you my solutions about you know wrapping your car and about backdrops and about slap bracelets and about dance floors and about upsells and about stickers and about the line walk and adding comedy to your show so many things i want to share with you guys in kind of like i call it a micro lecture because it's like 10 minutes of pure gold information distilled to save you time 10 minutes of gold on one topic and then like about 50 minutes of a Q&A and uh, the Q&A is the best because you can come on any topic any topic at all even topics that I really only help and I mean even topic that I only teach about in convention face to face or on my uh, MABC the Modern Automated Balloon Business Course program uh, even those kind of questions so you can ask me on SEO and AdWords and Facebook marketing and, and negotiation and champions and how to gain them. Anything you want, really. I would like to take on the challenge and try to help you and answer your questions. Even uh, in, uh, personal questions about me are welcome if that's interesting for you. So every lecture, every micro lecture will end with a Q&A and after the Q&A, there will be a special, the extra special bit, the like the mega special bit where you can actually join the beta group of one of my courses. So every time it will be only one of them and you're not, you don't have to join, you don't have to buy anything, you can just come and enjoy the lecture and enjoy the Q&A and then uh, say goodbye and leave class and we'll meet you in another class, uh, hopefully. And there are eight different micro lectures 
altogether I feel like they are substantiated amount of content so they form up into a mini course and once you sign up for even one of them you get the notifications and the replays for all eight fun exciting I hope you've enjoyed the show and I will be seeing you in the Balloon Artist Facebook group or on the mini course that is starting this Monday. See you soon, guys. This show is sponsored by Brody's Balloons. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Season 4, Chapter 7, The Tip Section. And the tip section today is to make sure you subscribe to the BalloonArtistPodcast.com mailing list by going to the BalloonArtistPodcast.com site and subscribing um, to the mailing list. There are so many ways to do that over there by just downloading one of the bonus packs, one of the information document, or uh, just, you know, wait for the pop-up. This gives you actually uh, early access to some of the free stuff that I'm doing, including the mini course that I'm launching on Monday. So I also want to suggest that you go to the Balloon Artist Facebook group and join that because they people in that group also get early access. And even now as we speak, um, I've lo- I'm launching this uh, free course and there are only 50 seats available on each of my classes. I give two classes every week and 49 people already subscribed to the mini course. Once I reach 100, this means that uh, even if I split them evenly between the two time slots, there's just not uh, enough room for, I mean, there's just enough room for everyone uh, because there are 50 seats in the class for you guys. So, of course, you can subscribe to the mini course and just take the replays and you can just arrive early to class and usually that helps. But... I recommend you just subscribe to my emails and open them. This will help you to gain access faster to all kinds of offers and ideas and free stuff like the free mini course that I'm launching on Monday where 49 people already subscribed to it within hours after announcing it over the emails. Uh, Thank you guys for listening to the Balloon Artist podcast. I love you guys and you know it. And I will be seeing you on the mini course on Monday and Tuesday, my time. It's uh, going to be a blast. If you have any questions, find me on Facebook. We are starting with a really uh, unorthodox topic, and that is the topic of line walk. And basically, I'm going to announce that the line is dead. So there is no really a, a good use of the line anymore. In 2017, I'm announcing the death of the line walk. Here are all the details in my free mini course uh, that is starting on Monday. See you soon, guys, and uh, have a blast. Love you.